coming to you from the Ultra Staff Studios in Chicago. Welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network with your host, Bob Petke. Hello, staffing people, and welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network. I am Bob Petke. I am your host of the Staffing Buzz Network, and I'm also the Chief Sales Officer here for Ultra Staff Edge. And like I say every time, but I want to remind you for those of the, those of you that are coming back, you know we are a full service front office and back office ATM solution, and we've got a lot of folks that are interested in checking us out for that. Um, but that's really not why we're here today. We're here to um, present to you another episode of the Staffing Buzz Network uh, to give ourselves an opportunity to share with you uh, some valuable information from some key industry experts and. Uh, so we want to make sure that we do that. Did I say ATS and CRM? I want to make sure I said that. Last time I said ATM and CRM, and that's a, we don't have an ATM machine. So we are ATS and CRM solution, an applicant tracking system. So uh, with that said, I want to get right into it today. And I want to bring on our guest, uh, Kelly Shutrup. Kelly, um, I want to welcome you uh, first and foremost to the Staffing Buzz Network. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Bob. We're so glad you're here. And just a little bit about Kelly. So she is the CEO and founder of Thoughtful Resound. And uh, this is a company and an organization uh, that she had uh, launched uh, last year. And so, Kelly, as we get right into it, I, I want to talk or I'm going to have you talk a little bit about uh, your organization uh, and, and kind of what led you to get to the point of where you're at and what are the things that you're doing. Sure. Great question. So my background spans about 15 years in marketing and sales. Uh, and the vast majority of time I've spent within the B2B professional services space, most near and dear, the staffing and search space. Uh, so uh, the first portion of that career was really building marketing from the ground up for a number of executive search consulting staffing firms, and then switching into a consultative mindset and doing it through the lens that I had adopted from marketing, which is really that lens of thought leadership. And so when I went to launch my company, it was really based on seeing a need in the space and just hearing from multiple people, one of two scenarios, either uh, I've got a sales team, right? I've got recruiters, I've got salespeople, and it's all boots on the ground. It's all very outbound and it's it's tiring and it maybe isn't working as well as it used to. And we're trying to figure out if there's ways that we can help them develop their own personal brands not in a cheesy, I just want a brand way, but in a way that they actually add value to their audience sure. and educate them and share the insights that they've gained over years uh, in a way that attracts inbound conversations. Uh, so that was one scenario. The other scenario is we're doing marketing. We've always done marketing. People know the brand, but how can we translate that into more of an authentic approach? And so uh, just throughout my career, I've seen millions of closed and so many inbound conversations, quality inbound conversations come from really sharing thought leadership. So I launched Thoughtful Resound, uh, Bob, like you mentioned last year, with the intention of helping to elevate other B2B professional service-based companies. Again, a lot of my clients are in this staffing and search space to really help them unlock those additional revenue streams. So I do fractional consulting uh, for a select number of clients where I step in, establish a strategy, and help them see that through. Uh, but then I also offer uh, more strategic projects and initiatives, like hosting workshops for key leaders and for sales teams and putting together strategies. So uh, I digress. It's a lot of fun getting to unlock this 
this new, I mean, it's not even that it's new, but just like a, a really authentic way of approaching consultative selling through that lens of thought leadership, or as I say, thought leadership activation. Okay. And we're going to talk a little about that consultative selling. I'm a big proponent of that and I've seen it, you know, uh, in action. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more, you know, for folks that are listening in right now that are in the staffing community, you know, because you've talked about kind of a, a transformation and an evolution of your own personal career to get you to the point where you are now with your new organization. Uh, I'm going to have you talk a little bit more. You, you talked about it a bit already, but I want you to talk a little bit more about some of those things in the staffing realm that you did and how it prepared you. What were some of the things that you've learned about either the industry, the professionals, um, anything and everything? What were some of those things you know, that you utilize to build the foundation to where you are today? Sure, sure. That's a great question, too. So there's two thoughts that come to mind. One is my time uh, managing marketing in-house for companies in the staffing industry. Uh, so typically, when you're in a role like that, you're reporting to a visionary, right? A CEO, oftentimes, depending on the company size, right? And there's a whole team of really talented recruiters. So if you're talking uh, you know, direct hire search recruiters, it's full desk. If you're talking the consulting or staffing side, it's a split desk where you've got people focused just on the candidates or just on the business development. Uh, regardless, everybody's got KPIs. Everybody has commission. They're all really trying to get great conversations in the door, make placements, get people out billing, all of the things. And <clears throat> unfortunately, our industry has garnered this reputation of being a commodity where a lot of times clients and candidates say, I could work with anyone to find this job. I could work with anyone to find this candidate. Uh, and the biggest selling point, we'll call it for most staffing and search firms is we know the right people. We know, we know great companies. We know great candidates. We're really fast. We value relationships. <clears throat> Excuse me. And in valuing those relationships, it helps us be the best partner. The unfortunate piece is that sounds the same on everybody's website, right? Like fill yes. blank, healthcare staffing, IT staff, right? Whatever it might be. And so dialing it back, uh, when I was managing marketing in-house, something that we decided to do is unlock that expertise of the key leaders. And so, yes, people knew the brand. Yes, people knew that these different divisions existed. But did people know the individual salesperson or the sales leader? And so starting to stand up what I call hubs of influence around right. each of those people uh, really drove results. So having them guest contribute blog to an association or having them join committees or boards or establishing uh, events <clears throat> that were almost round table in nature where you could attract and invite ideal clients or ideal candidates. So on one hand, I saw that really work well in driving inbound conversations for people who had desks themselves. Uh, and then pivot, I switched to the other side of the table, uh, the executive search and consulting firm that I was with. We launched a digital marketing agency that specialized in the staffing industry. And it's called Parka. Uh, and there's a number of firms that are in this space and have been in this space for a decade, two decades. And so it was a brand new name to the market. And again, me having come out of the background of marketing, I didn't want to be seen as a commodity. Sure. And the idea of cold calling just didn't feel rewarding, uh, authentic to me at all. And so I started hosting fireside chats. 
So I said, I'm going to interview current clients. I'm going to interview people that I'm talking to, interview people who are essentially referral partners about topics that I know our clients, our prospective clients care about and they're navigating right now. And I'm going to educate I'm just going to share the knowledge, really. And so what that enabled me to do is take these moments that I would consider to be aha moments that I was having in one-on-one sales conversations and punt them out ahead of the conversation. And so it created this system where 95% of our conversations were inbound. And, okay. you know, in a, in a series of a few years, partnered with over 150 companies and the vast majority of them found us just because of things that that I was sharing. And so... To, to recap that into a synopsis, uh, what prepared me to help other companies and, and why I'm passionate, as you can tell, about this topic is it not only from a business standpoint generated revenue, because yes, like if you're in a company, there's only so much time in the day and your company only cares about the things you're doing if it's generating revenue and you're doing good, right? Um, like as black and white as it can be. Uh, but you also want it to be worthwhile and impactful because if you do things the right way, the money will come. Uh, and it's a very small industry. And so reputation matters and how you treat people matters. Uh, and so it just prepared me in this mindset of really abundance instead of scarcity. So it wasn't this, oh, shoot, where's the next deal coming from? It was, I have, you know, at that point, over a decade of experience in this space and there's things that I can share with people and it's helping them. And where that consultative selling piece comes into play is whether I was in a conversation with someone and I knew we could help them or I knew we couldn't, I still wanted right. to leave them better off after the conversation than when they started it. And if I could point them to a different party or person or company that could solve their need, uh, then it would benefit them. And it it always comes back. Like you don't do it with that intent, but it does. And so uh, that's that's really my philosophy and mindset of educate your audience, give away the knowledge, help people. And in turn, when they have a need for what you do, they will think of you. Right. You know, it sounds to me like, you know, the, the evolution of someone's career or what they contribute to a certain industry, um, specifically, I know you've worked in staffing and you do some other things as well. Um, the evolution is never complete, but I can see, you know, through, uh, you know, your progression, you know, why you've now positioned yourself, uh, you know, to be, you know, for with thoughtful resound to be in that position, that space and place to uh, to do what you're doing today. So um, I'm going to change gears just a little bit. I want to dive into some different things. And, and again, I talked about the consultative selling. But, you know, one of the things that I've seen here recently in the staffing community is, uh, you know, first and foremost, there's so many verticals, right? Uh, you know, a lot of our end users are, uh, you know, they do temp, they do temp mm -hmm. to hire, we have direct hire. And, uh, you know, from my time that I spent, you know, 16 plus years in the staffing industry, you know, I've seen some companies that, you know, first and foremost, they thrive and survive with uh, traditional temp staffing, uh, but they're finding a value or they're identifying an opportunity uh, to do some executive search positions, mm -hmm. maybe with these same companies that they already have an established relationship with. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that I've seen, and I'd be interested to get your take on it, is, you know, oftentimes, and I don't know if maybe it's a fish out of water or, you know, I'm not going to lead the witness on this one. I'm interested in your, your opinion is, you know, a lot of times these same companies that have people that are out trying to drive traditional staffing, maybe, you know, that they're trying to put forklift operators, pickers, packers, sorters, assembly, you know, sometimes they'll put 
for lack of a better word, that burden to also try to forge relationships uh, to drive the executive search. So that's a lot of information. So my question to you is, what have you seen? Have you seen people that are doing that day to day? You know, it, it's it's really a grind to try to get that traditional staffing. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of success for them? Or have you seen, you know, obviously anybody who's skilled, you know, there's always exceptions to every rule. But have you seen uh, more success when somebody has uh, someone dedicated and working in that space and familiar with with that. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a loaded question because most companies in our space start with one and want to add the other because naturally staffing has the consistency and the ongoing revenue where the more people you go about billing, the more that revenue stream uh, increases and then search or direct hire provides the spikes of revenue. And then in the opposite sense, right, obviously, if you're focused on search first, you've got those, but you want the continuity. So it's very common for companies to start with one and add the other. Um, and to answer your question, I think there's a lot of value in having dedicated resources separate. Uh, and there's a couple reasons for that. One is just the, we'll call it the brain split, right? Like the, the brain power you have and the time you have in a week to focus on an audience that you're essentially trying to sell to. So whether you are attracting the candidates or you're trying to attract the clients, there's only so much time in the day, right? right. For, for your, your outreach. And, you know, as I would advocate for the thought leadership you're building, where you're spending time in the community, uh, just being a part of those conversations. If you are looking to get in touch with a certain type of position or role and you get put you know, or I should say you get tasked with your desk focused on something completely different, you're, you're now nurturing two very different populations of potential business uh, relationships. And so not only just from a brain split standpoint, I think it would uh, be an advantage to have separate, um, also just from skill set. It is a very, very different type of role typically where, yes, your, your day laborers or even weekly uh, picker packers, things like that, it's, it is I mean, it's all our industry. There's a lot of hard work behind every single role. Um, but that's that's like a moment by moment. Someone didn't show up sometimes, right? Like we have an hour to get someone new here. Uh, whereas, whereas in the search world, that could be a three to six month process. If you're talking retained C-suite, it could be a year process. And so it's a very different sales cycle on the client side, it's also very different. We'll call it sales cycle on the candidate side. So I do think there's advantage. Um, I've seen companies approach it where in the early days, they've got people split, but pretty quickly uh, as they as they can hire someone else in that space. But again, to me, a lot of it comes down to like where you established as an expert. And if you're known as the best, uh, you know, light industrial staffing recruiter, it's going to be really difficult to say, but I'm also the best person at placing CFOs. Like that's just right. not, not to say that that person's skill set couldn't translate, but it's, uh, it, it's a bit conflicting when you're trying to convey that message. Yeah. You know, I would tend to agree with you on that one. You know, it's a different sales cycle. It's a different skill set. It's different language, right? It's, it's, uh, you, you speak different languages. I mean, Again, whatever your national language is that you're speaking to go to market is, is one thing. But the way that you would approach somebody who's maybe a shift supervisor, 
uh, is going to be entirely different than somebody who's, you know, maybe you're trying to put some type of an engineer or, or a plant manager. I mean, it, it's a different conversation. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that. So I appreciate that. And again, you know, recognizing that the Staffing Buzz Network um, goes coast to coast, but, you know, we're around the world. And I don't even know how many languages we're in. I'm going to guess one for sure, but you know there is translatable uh, services, and I digress and joke about that. Uh, but yeah, so this is a good message for anybody and everybody. And I'm thinking right now, you know, that particular message is is a really a nice message for uh, companies that are trying to figure out, you know, maybe they've had some success with the temp attempt to hire in the light industrial stuff. And they're trying to make that decision, like, where do I go? Where do I allocate my money? Do I put that, you know, responsibility on the people that are on the front lines? Or do I make an investment and have those folks sell? So, you know, I think that your 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 input and your wisdom is why. So I appreciate that. So um, I want to move forward because, you know, there's different ways that people go to market. And, you know, one of the things that some people rely on and you know i don't want to say dinosaurs but this was there was a guy named neil rackham who wrote a book about spin selling and you know he was uh you know there was a time and space and place where that worked but the way the shift in technology works and, and to give you an idea just to kind of catch you up with that because i want to i want to make a direct correlation between that and consultative or consultative selling you know with spin selling you know that was you know it was very transactional and that's where if somebody was going to market and trying to sell, uh, you know, they were looking at um, working on a certain methodology and all very important questions. But they were leading with and relying on this. Uh, you know, they were looking in four different categories. You know, they were trying to figure out what the situation was, which I think we do no matter what we're doing and trying to sell. Identifying the problem, looking at implement, uh, implement implication. I got that out right. And uh, then looking for the needs payoff and being able to tie things in related to that. Um, all very, uh, for lack of a better word, transactional, but I think a different philosophy when it comes to, you know, consultative, consultative selling. You know, you've talked about it. You, I know this is a, a big uh, a part of who you are and, and how you run your business. Talk to me a little bit about how you would define uh going to market in a, in a selling capacity as a consultative seller. Sure, sure. You know, it's interesting because anytime you're selling for a company, you have your own company's best interest in mind. And the sure. client potential on the other side of the call, the meeting, they know that. So <clears throat> by default, it's difficult to be consultative unless you are truly agnostic. You know, I think about someone like Lauren B. Jones with Leap Consulting Solutions, right? Like if you're not familiar with her, she uh, advises staffing companies on tech stacks and then helps them kind of roll out that implementation and the adoption and the awareness and all the pieces. Uh, and she's agnostic to different techs, right? She's truly sure. trying to find that. Whereas most companies, you are advocating for your brand being the right one to support your client's needs. Uh so in my mind, if that's the position you're in, which I would imagine most people listening to this show are, uh, to me, it's that mindset going back to thinking about it through the sense of abundance versus scarcity. Like if you get into a conversation, it is very likely that someone is even hearing your dialogue because they have some sort of a need, right? Like unless you're meeting them for two seconds at a happy hour and they don't know who you are, if they're sitting down and they've got time on their calendar to meet with you, they're probably thinking about their hiring challenges. So they're probably trying to find a solution. 
And if you can approach it through the lens of, I really actually want to know what you're going through so that I can help you problem solve. And if we're the best fit, great, wonderful. If we're not, it's okay, right? So to me, uh, consultative selling is okay or, or puts you in a position of being okay to walk away from the opportunity instead of uh, strong arm it if it's not quite the right thing. Um, something else to keep in mind is that educational piece. So in my mind, sales conversations should be about taking the insights that you've gained from other types of companies like them and helping to share. Here's the here's the pain points. Here's the challenges that are typically seen. Uh, and I don't know if you're familiar with the challenger model. So the challenger model almost reverse engineers. It, it doesn't lead with here's our benefits. Here's our advantages. This is why you should hire us. This is how many years of experience, how many candidates we can get in front of you. Uh, those are all valuable pieces. But the potential prospect doesn't necessarily care about those yet. They care about solving the challenge that they have in front of them. So the challenger model, which has been around for years and years, uh, essentially states you go into the conversation to identify what is what what is the challenge? How have you tried to solve it in the past? Here's how we're seeing other people solve it. Uh, you know, dialogue through that. And by the way, that's how we solve it too. And so kind of walking them through up to that opportunity to say, yes, you are the company I need to work with on that. So uh, at the end of the day, ultimately having a mindset of generosity and educating the client and being okay to walk away, uh, it also, it creates for a better partnership down the road because then it, it, it helps you lean into, these are the things that we're actually really good at. And these are the things that we don't specialize in. And then they can trust that when they engage you, which hopefully they do, uh, that they know that you can stand behind your word of what you're selling to them. Yeah. When I think of that approach, I, I also, you know, think of a, a, another modern day uh, spokesperson just for a philosophy to go to business operations market. I think of Simon Sinek and how yep. he sells from the inside out, mm -hmm. figuring out what the why is for, mm -hmm. uh, for whoever it is might be and working from that way. Uh, and, and again, I think that goes hand in hand more with a consultative selling, um, you know, and I compared spin and, and not to knock spin by any means, but, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's a time and place and space, you know, for the market and, and the way things have kind of transpired. You know, I'm always falling back on the fact that people will buy and partner with people they like mm -hmm. and people they trust. And in doing that, you know, I often will tell my team, you know, in, when I was in the staffing world recently and, and now even here, um, with Ultra Staff Edge, is just like a client or potential client is measuring us up to see if we're the right fit, to see if we're going to be the square peg in the square hole, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that we are uh, empowered to do the same thing. And to your point, be able to walk away right. when it's not a match for the greater good, first and foremost, for that potential client. You know, we don't want to ram something down their throat. We want to make sure we're the right fit, doing the right work at the right time. So I, I'm I'm loving what you're putting down here today, and I think it's going to be very valuable uh, and a refresher. And, and anything, any of these things that we talk about, it's like you or I never invented any of this, but it's it's just mm -hmm. kind of a refocus and, and a shift on on what are the things that makes the world go round. And so I, I love the uh, the concept and, and your dedication and your and your real understanding of what consultative selling really is. Well, and it's, um, it's funny because I think most people would say that when they find themselves in the boat of 
a lot of opportunity coming their way, it becomes a whole lot easier to be a consultative seller because you don't feel desperate to close the deal. Uh, and so if you can adopt that mindset, even in seasons where you do not have all the conversations flowing in, it's still going to be to your advantage. Because right. you know, to your point, the client, the the company on the other side will have a better experience if you're not desperate to close the deal. Um, but But so will you, because then you're in theory not bringing on client partners that are not a fit for your team to deliver on. Absolutely. Uh, changing gears again a little bit, and this is based on, you know, I was looking at some of your information and in, in, in getting prepared for, for our session here today. And, you know, one of the questions I have, because, you know, we have a lot of entrepreneurs that are listening uh, mm -hmm. and, and they might work in that executive space. Some of them might work in that temp, temp to hire space, but, you know, let, let's, Let's look at this because I think the message that I'm, I'm hoping that we can deliver is going to be transferable to all. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you're looking at leaders in an organization and leaders that want to drive growth, you know, what are some things as far as hands on expertise that they can add to their team hmm. to make that work? Sure. And to clarify the question, uh that they could train their existing team on or what, what can they do to bring opportunities into the company regardless? I'm going to say both really. And, right. and you're going to get a chance to take that, which direction you feel you feel fit for the greater good of the folks that are listening. Sure. Definitely. You know, it is fascinating to me that most people I talk to when I do workshops or engage with a company that has a sales team, I mean, every company has salespeople, whether it's the founder leading the sales process or a whole organizational structure doing sales. Uh, when you say thought leadership or when you say we want to build you up as a trusted expert, most people would be like, I don't know. I don't know that I'm an expert in anything. Uh, but I would argue that if you spent a number of years in your space doing what you do, you are positioned to add value to your prospective clients. And so whether you are a C-suite, not in a sales function, but you are obviously representing the brand uh, or you are a boots on the ground salesperson or somewhere in between, right? Like regardless of what that looks like, I would say it's really important to take a step back and think about your last number of conversations you've had with current clients, prospective clients. <coughs> Excuse me. One second. <coughs> Absolutely. I'm going to take that chance myself here. Perfect. For anybody who wants a drink of water, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'd say it's really important to take a step back and think about conversations that you've had with prospective and current clients that unlocked insights for them, like things that to you seem like a complete no brainer because you've seen it go wrong or go right a million times. And when you tell them, it's exactly what they needed to hear. So I would start with, okay, what what is that kind of library of topics that tend to come up? Okay, great. Let's say you have an expertise in that. And even if you're in a sales function and you do not have background in this industry, which happens all the time, right? And so you can't say, I've, I've got 10 years or 20 years of experience in this space. Can you curate information that's currently being shared by non-competitors? So if there's associations, uh, organizations, other peer type organizations that are selling into the same space, but not the same exact thing you are, that they're sharing information that's really beneficial to your audience that you can then take, digest and give them credit, but say, hey, these are some of the trends that are going on in the market. Like start there and think about those areas of insight that you can provide to your audience. And then it's a matter of, we'll call it the vehicle 
How do you get that message out? I'm a big proponent. We could have a whole conversation about this another time about LinkedIn uh, and how you can build that leadership there and add value there. Uh, but also things like attending conferences or speaking or starting a, a podcast or, or hosting insights videos where you just hop on camera yourself for two minutes once a week and talk about things. Like there's a lot of different ways to start building, building that expertise in a way, again, that drives opportunities to you from people that you didn't even know had a need for the service you offer. Oh, great. And I, I was, I'm going to give a little teaser and, and maybe we'll have to have you on at another time a little bit later in the year. Um, you mentioned LinkedIn and I'm going to ask this real basic question. Talk to us uh, about the importance of having a, a good LinkedIn brand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's all going to come down to who your audience is. So I'm going to make the assumption in this answer that the people you want to get in front of are on LinkedIn. <laughs> if they're not, it cool. serves a different purpose for you. Maybe it's for your own career progression only. Uh, but let's say you're trying to sell or recruit people that spend time on LinkedIn. I mean, it is your billboard. I It's funny. I was doing a workshop yesterday and I used this analogy of uh, if every single house on your block looked the same and they were all for sale. Same, same inside, same everything. The price point was the same, literally no difference. And you had better curb appeal. Who's going to get the house showing, right? Like who, whose house are they going to walk into first? Uh, it's not to say that they couldn't have a great home with the other options, but, but whose home are they going to pop into first and explore that? It's going to be yours. And so your LinkedIn profile at a minimum is your, your, uh, it's your opportunity for curb appeal. So Again, when you're having those aha moments and most salespeople I talk to in the staffing industry and recruiters, there's no challenge once they're on a call with someone. Like if you work for a good company and you're good at what you do, what I consistently hear is I just need at bats. Once I'm in the conversation, it's golden. I don't get it every time, but like I'm positioned really, really well to make sure they know what we do. And usually it results in us partnering. Um, so usually that isn't the challenge. It's more like getting into the conversation in the first place, getting more of those. And so I think your LinkedIn profile positions you to tell the story that you want. So not only, you know, your cover photo, your profile picture, your tagline, your about section, like what does it say about you? But also what are you posting? I mean, even if you post once a week, you are in a, a complete top uh, category in LinkedIn for consistency. And then you can start showing up in front of your ideal and prospective audience in a way that, again, you don't even know who's seeing you and, and what kind of uh, insights that they're gaining from you so that when they have a need, they can not only reach out to you or if you're reaching out to them proactively, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, oh yeah, I've been following you for years. And I, I feel right. flattered and, and you know, it, it feels bizarre to me, but it's true, right? Like that happens. And there's people that I have known, known air quotes for years on LinkedIn and I have never once met them in person, but I know them well because of the content or like connections that we've had over the years. So Anyway, I just think it's a really big opportunity to uh, have people know you, know your personality, know how you can help them before you even met them sometimes. Okay. So we're, we're, we're running up to a conclusion here today. I've got one more for you, one more question, one more nugget to share with staffing people all around the globe. Uh we're in, you know, we're, we're in the middle. We're starting to get towards the end of the first quarter of 2024. If there was one 
or two pieces of information that you could share with people that are trying to drive business, and, and it could be in the executive search realm or, or, or any realm for that matter. If you could give them one bit of information or advice that they could look back a year from now and say, mm. I never thought of it until I heard it from Kelly, and I'm glad I did it, what would it be? Sure. I would say that one piece of advice would be think about your ideal audience, who are you trying to get in front of, then think about where do they already spend time? What are they a member of? What associations, organizations uh, do they listen to the webinars of? Do they attend conferences? Where do they show up and get involved in those spaces? Uh, because most often those groups are nonprofits and they are thrilled to have volunteers. <laughs> and so if you can join a Good committee, yes. uh, sometimes it's an hour a month, right? Like it is not necessarily always a big lift. But let me just give you an example. Let's say you're trying to get in front of this audience. They all are part of this association. And you say, huh, look at that. According to the website, they're looking for someone to join their membership committee. And I join their membership committee. All of a sudden, oh, darn, I have to meet every single person that joins the association. Now, I will say it's not intended to be a sales pitch for you. Absolutely not. The intention is for you to onboard them into this great association. But by default, you are going to introduce yourself tell them what you do, even if it's a sentence, and you can start building that relationship. And that's a much softer approach to a potential future sales conversation than an outbound uh, cold call. And I will also say it adds immense benefit to the <laughs> to the industry you're a part of, because again, a lot of this is volunteer run. And so if you can get involved at that, that like ground level, you're meeting great people, you're helping an association. And it also then bonus opens up the opportunity for that association to know who you are. So when they look to fill their monthly webinar cadence and you say, Hey, I've got a topic. Here is a sentence and a paragraph. No more effort needed on your end yet. Would this be something you think our audience would be interested? Cause I am hearing a lot of people talk about it. Right. Like it's much more likely that that association is going to say, yes, we would love for you to come and do that. And so that can kind of start to snowball uh, what I'd consider to be creating a hub of influence around yourself where you've got expertise that you're sharing with your audience. But it's not only dependent on your own number of followers or your own email list within your company. You now have a different group advocating your name because what you're sharing benefits their audience. No. Great piece of information. And again, you know, the takeaway we have is it's all about building that network. And when you have an opportunity to do it, you know, we mm -hmm. both talked about, you know, people buy from people they like and people they trust. But in order for them to like you and trust you, they got to get to know you. Right. And part of that is building that relationship. So that's great. Hey, as we conclude, is there anything um, that you want to share or is there any way if people wanted to talk more to you, um, how they can get in touch with you? Yeah. You know, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, as you can imagine. It's yeah. just been my my space for a very long time that I've enjoyed. So you can always reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is thoughtfulresound.com. Uh, of course, you can find that on LinkedIn. But the reality is if you're curious about how to activate this for yourself or your company, uh, I try to practice what I preach and share insights there that you can just follow along and see some low-hanging fruit best practices. But of course, always happy to hop into a conversation uh, and chat about how you can activate that for your own team internally. Perfect. And we'll share that information in our links and so on. So, so people will have access to you. 
So Kelly Shutrup, thank you uh, for being here. Uh, just a wealth of information. And I'm sure that um, the listeners of the Staffing Buzz Network are going to greatly appreciate it. And yeah, we hope to have you on again. So thanks so much for being here. Perfect. Thanks for having me, Bob. You bet. So there you have a lot of really uh, on point information as far as going to market, talking about consultative selling, talking that you're making sure that you have the right people in the right seat, uh, driving your business, all very uh, important pieces of, of your of your business and making sure that you have those things strategically uh, set up so you can go to market. Uh, you know, with that said, just a couple of different things I wanted to say is uh, so our Ultra Staff Edge, our automated business design group, we're going to be uh, at TempNet uh, and that's going to be March 21st and 22nd. Uh, we're going to be there. That's going to be uh, in Napa at the um, Napa Marriott. So I will be there uh, that time. So if you're a member of TempNet and you want to stop by and say hi, that'd be great. And then the following week, uh, we're going to be at the SIA conference at the ARIA uh, in Las Vegas. And that's uh, 325 through 327. So I'll have myself here and um, our director of marketing, uh, Jennifer, will be there. Uh, Terry um, from our organization, one of the leaders here, will be there as well. And uh, we'd love for you to come on in and, and, and talk to us. Uh, so, you know, that's what we do. We, we provide solutions for, for staffing companies. And yes, we have a very uh, uh, robust tool, our, our Ultra Staff Edge tool, which is that ATS CRM solution. And, uh, you know, we'd like to talk to you about it. A lot of people are, are uh, interested and, and we've got a lot of folks that are, um, uh, you know, getting on board. And so we'd like to, you know, have you maybe participate in the demo. So uh, with that said, until next time, uh, thanks for being on the Staffing Buzz Network.